Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. Well, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing okay. I'm actually in a really good mood. You want to know why? I do want to know why. That's exactly what I was going to I I got this thing in the mail, and it is like a, um, it's very heavy. I like where this is going. It is very rectangular, and it is a book called Spectacular Settlements. Oh, yeah. yeah. This thing is a big chongus, okay? This is one <laughs> thick boy, okay, that's full of Andrew goodness and other people, but really, Andrew goodness, um, holding it up next to my player's handbook for 5th ed, what would you say, a little maybe slightly less than double like it's around there it's about two phbs i'd say i uh, i'd say that's probably pretty accurate i mean if you if you take away like the cuz the player's handbook if you doubled it would you include the cover no no right? if i just was looking at pages mm you know, I you got there is listen, what I'm saying is there's a lot of bang for your buck in this. And no, I'm not getting any money for uh plugging this book, but it's more just I'm proud of my friend for his great accomplishment. Oh. And it is actually really impressive and useful. Just, you know, my my honest opinion. You know what my favorite part of this book is though? What's your favorite part? My favorite part is the page numbers. <laughs> really? I love the little like compass in the corner uh, that has the page number. I don't know why, but that's like my favorite part of it. That I like aesthetics, you know, and uh, it's uh, it fits. It, you know, it has the see. I did it right there, and it has this sense of like being kind of a compass rose or a sextant, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I enjoy that. We, I actually remember that was one of the first graphic design elements that we thought about and yeah i i actually had um had come up with something vaguely similar that i actually drew myself and then we brought on uh chris vanderlinden who uh runs a um another rpg supplement company called loresmith uh Mm. for anyone who wants to go check it out it's L O R E S M Y T H. Yeah. Um, and they, Oh, with a Y. Yeah. With a Y. Um, (laughs) but they, uh, they made some really cool books like, uh, remarkable inns and remarkable shops. Um, both of which can actually be ordered on Nord's website. I get, we, Mm -hmm. we do a lot of their stateside distribution, but anyway, Chris Vanderlinden is an extremely talented graphic designer, and he kind of took mm. the little idea that we had for what to do with the page numbers, and he kind of yeah. kicked it up to the next level. He he did a lot of the other stuff in the book, too. Like, each uh, builder chapter kind of has that. It's like a single page with a seal on it or yeah. some kind of picture. He came up with all those. Um, he's really good. And it's uh, fun to see my little goblin character get his mention in this. In fact, uh, that whole party that we played with, uh, the rare occasion when Andrew Gertson will 
will deign to run a game of Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. That's uh, right. Because it's, you know, it, it's a lot. It takes a lot of spiritual power, like mana and probably sheer testosterone to actually have him run a game. And it's a lot for everybody. It's a lot for Andrew. It's a lot for us. It is. So they've got to be short. They've got to be sweet. Uh, but they are so memorable. I and so I, it was really fun to see those goblins get their their mention and uh but mostly my guy cuz I'm egotistical. Sure. I uh <laughs> I when I run those games I do get um like black market IV bags of testosterone and I um I've got that just straight up testosterone concentrate pumping straight into my veins, man. And it's yeah, uh, that, that like Alex Jones uh, supplement that gets your tea up. Is that, yeah. that what we're using? Maybe. <laughs> I I don't know that I'm familiar with that, but at the same time, <laughs> context would say that that's probably accurate. If you're not familiar with Alex Jones, that that's fine. <laughs> oh, is he the uh, the 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 crazy radio broadcaster guy? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen some stuff about him. I'm not glad that I've seen stuff about him, but, but you know, his whole thing is he used to like sell these like enhancement products, like testosterone building products, as like commercials. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Great job on the book. It's a it's a fantastic accomplishment, and you should be very proud. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it, and I and. <laughs> As humbly a way as I can say it, I I am proud of it. It's it's yeah. um it's so cool to see. I mean, the first night I actually held it, and I I made a point of of literally flipping every single page, and I I've, I've said this to a couple people. I feel like I had a couple moments where I grabbed a page to turn it, and I'd like rub rub my index finger and thumb together thinking I had accidentally grabbed two pages and they had kind of stuck and yeah. it didn't come apart and I look at the page numbers and I had only grabbed a single page and I was like oh wow this yeah, is just it, a really nice paper it does feel kind of like that like did I skip a page and like nope you, it's just uh, it's just quality you know it, it is you know a little bit pricey in some ways but I think that it's certainly worth it. Sure. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's, you pay for quality, you know? Yeah. And we, we wanted to, you know, hit a, hit a price point that we thought that the industry could bear. Cause that, that was the other point. I mean, you look at this book, I mean, the maps alone, there are 64 color maps in this yeah. thing, which, yeah, they're beautiful too, by the way. Oh like, my goodness. The, the artist should also be very proud, you know? Yeah, they're very, um, very the, good. This this work is very pretty to look at. Um, and uh, like the the value that in like a lot of third party role playing books are not pretty, to be honest. Right? Like, I I'm not mentioning any names, but I I don't I think it's gotten better in recent years. Yeah, like uh, a lot of the fifth ed supplements look pretty good, but I would say that like especially in third edition and earlier, like there Oof. was some pretty, some pretty nasty characters out there, some pretty pretty lame artwork. Yeah, we we got we got to work with some amazing people. Karen Petrasco, who 
Um, she did the vast majority of the sketch artwork for um, for all the pregens. Well, not yeah. not all the pregens, but a whole heck of a lot of them, as well as um, like she did the cover of the book and she blew my mind like incredibly good. And you know, I've got my own custom work, the or uh, custom, uh, you know, setting I homebrew all the time mm. for for my game, and I've rolled up a couple of settlements um, by using this book, you know, back in its PDF form, right? And uh, not to give too much away, but next session I'm doing that again. So oh. I don't even know what the city looks like yet. I mean, I kind of know where it is, oh, but you're that's... gonna do a city thing. Oh, I don't know if it's going to be a city. I, I, I was probably, yeah. No, it'll be like a village. Oh, that's because <laughs> with this freaking book, that's a big freaking difference. Uh, Yeah, no, definitely. It's a big difference. I mean, even a trading post in this book takes a minute to to make. And uh, I don't know, like to me, there it's it, like a trading post is still quite a lot to work with. Yeah, you you still have like a lot of stuff happening in a trading post. Yeah, the the original kind of uh, concept for this book way, 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 way back. Um, uh, Chris, my uh, my buddy who runs Nord, he was like, yeah, man, like we should we should do it where like, you know, where someone could just whip out a settlement in like 10 minutes like right at the table, just on the fly. I was like, okay, we started playing around with it. And it very rapidly became apparent, like this, this is going to be something entirely different. You know, on the face of it, this book is essentially a book of random tables, yeah, which makes it easy to use. And yet there is this secret sauce that I find goes into the design that makes it more engaging than just rolling on tables. The the way that um, the tables are ordered in line to sort of make sense, um, how sometimes the tables are contradictory so that you make it make sense, and that's where kind of like the intrigue comes from. Um, you know, like it, it does... It does what I need a DM supplement book to do, which is get my creative juices flowing because sometimes, you know, you just get so tired, especially if you're homebrewing and you're making a whole world. Sometimes it's like, Oh, there's a city. Let's see. There's a river nearby. So I don't know. They probably fish. That's why I run so rarely. Yeah. It's freaking exhausting, man. I I've seen you like burn out hard on world building. Um, and you know, at at first, like that first couple of days, man, it's so fun to design like that. You just, you you get high off it. It's real. And then like a week later, you're just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) what have I done? done? Yeah, I know. Like barely scratched the surface of this like cosmology I'm building. And really, I'm just trying to make a campaign about goblins. And no one's going to freaking see this stuff ever. (laughs) No one's going to see it. You're Hold on. I can't embark on my first adventure unless I know what the creation of the universe is. Yeah. You know, it's just, it makes perfect sense. It doesn't. 
at all. You know, I start will say small, with people the, start small. Th- th- this is not my inspiration point, but with my current homebrew world, I definitely started like here is a town mm-hmm. and like the couple of places that are next to it. And this is all we're interacting with for this whole campaign. What's beyond it? I have no idea. Don't ask me. Mm-hmm. And in the next campaign, I was able to then build off that and and go, OK, well, where does the world come from? I still don't know what the other continents are in the world. We have no idea. But I at least know kind of who the gods are, how the world was created, that sort of thing. Right. And you know, how and in the how third have you game felt, I'm building further? How have you felt about having having done thing gone about building things that way as opposed to how how you've done things in the past? Yeah, no, I, I def it's far more enjoyable because you want to get to the thing that your game is about. Yeah. And you want to get to the action and the decision making and the characters. Yep. But if you get stuck like trying to map out every little thing that exists i mean and for some people that could really be fine but for someone like me i can really burn out quickly yep and i need to manage that my excitement and my time yep um but anyway that's that's just how i run if you find that that you're burning out in under similar conditions maybe consider zoom in first and then zoom out slowly yeah start you know start small that's start close it's it's the way to go yeah don't create a whole universe so that you can eventually write a um story about a village unless that's just how you roll man yeah yeah so i don't know i had i had one quick question about your your first kind of experiences with the book before we jump into our our actual points sure what yeah what what was your feeling the first time you ran into a table in the book that had modifiers. Um, where we, oh, okay. So, um, I think the very first time I did it, it was with an earlier version of the character sheet. Mm. Uh, now I, I call it a character sheet. It's not really, but it feels like a character sheet. That's the intent. Um, yeah. But you know, so that, while you're filling all this out, you know, it it's all one thing is leading to another. Mm. And the first time I did it, it was a little bit confusing because it was like an earlier layout. Sure. But but now it's a lot easier because a lot of that stuff is is cleaned up. Mm. And and the numbers are all kind of like manageable, almost always single digit values that you can easily wrap your head around and kind of uh, move along. Yeah. So. And then the die roll that you have, even with modifiers, is still quite relevant. Right. You know, it it can, there's still this great sense of randomness, but the modifiers allow you to hit those extremes if you like to, mm-hmm. or to remain safely in the average yeah. in many cases. Because you don't want to have every settlement you roll up be this wacky, fantastic thing. Right. Uh, but you do want every... um settlement i think to have memorable moments about it you know bringing that back a little bit i'm a fan you know or memorable scenarios oh isn't that the one city that has the thing like yeah Yeah. that's the one and i mean i think that's how we're going to remember each one of these because especially if you pre-design a lot of like towns and settlements that your players can visit they can start to run together yeah 
in your head. And if they don't stand out as, oh, that's the anarchy place. Oh, that's the one with the cult. Oh, that's the one with where it's a, there's a big tree and that's like their whole thing. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just a big old tree. Yeah, I I was uh, I was very excited about the modifiers that because I didn't want it to feel like just random table after random table where there's nothing that's affecting anything else, especially when there are things that you would imagine would affect other things. Like if you have a trading post that's very old, like, okay, Mm -hmm. how if this wasn't a if it wasn't successful or, you know, how how did this trading post get to be very old? Because if, if it sucked, if it didn't work, if nothing was going on, it, it probably would have just dispersed or not be there. So what's it been doing here all this time? So that right, that yeah. age will, you know, can have an impact on other things like, you know, other tables you're rolling later on in the chapter can be affected by things that come earlier on in the chapter and i well it kind of walks you through the history a little bit Mm -hmm. and so your your brain is already filling in gaps as you're going through the table from table to table yep and you're already like writing like little maybe notes in the margins or on another piece of paper where you're just like okay and then this makes sense because of this because again that's what it it, i think of this book as like creative lubrication absolutely For, you know, and I think as DMs, we just need more of that. We want part of the design process to be fun. Yes. I mean, you you know how it is. I mean, it's a lot of work to it design is. a campaign. It's a lot of work to design a world. Heck, it's a lot of work to follow a module. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's just like a lot of work no matter what. And anything that can make the prep of D&D more fun and engaging is very welcome. I want more products like this right on so thank you for that you also what was the name of the artist one more time uh the the main artist was karen petrasco um petrasco and you can uh actually let me uh pardon my well done karen petrasco i mean i'm just absolutely blown away by your work let's see pardon my keyboard for a moment uh, I like to draw sometimes. I like to do some art, a little painting. And um, so you can find her. I, I This is so much better. Than <laughs> it's, she, she's really, really good. You can find her at uh, KarenPetrasco.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-P-E-T-R-A-S-K-O.com. And that's her portfolio. And she has... So much cool stuff. Just, oh my goodness. She's got this one uh, picture of a, of a, this short little wizard, but it's a pug. It's just got these goofy fish eyes that are looking in different directions. He looks so derpy and cute. And it's just, it's, (laughs) it's freaking wonderful. She's, she is a treasure. Um, and yeah, I can see. Lest, uh, lest I forget, I do. I'm gonna give a couple shout outs here. Um, 
because we did have some other artists that were on here too that shouldn't be ignored. Um, so we had uh, Tugs Bayer Jamps, Dan. Whoa, what? Is yeah, that one again. Tugs Bayer, T U G S B A Y A R. That's, That's one first one name. First name, last name Jamps, J A M T S. Huh. Dan Martin. Karen Petrasco and Sam White. And then our cartographers were Robert Altbauer, George Mason, and Carl Schmall, S C H M A H L. And mm. all you guys, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant work. You, uh, you all did an amazing job, and we are so, so proud of you. You know, I, I, one of the guys we play with, uh, I, I think, had a hand in, in this book as well. He said he was un, he was afraid to take the wrapping off because he was afraid that all the ideas would, like, return to the ether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it was it was it was in the works for so long where it it got to the point where you just feel like. I'm I'm never going to hold this thing. I'm never going to actually see this be a real thing. And then, you know, it's it's like any time in life when you're waiting for this big moment or something, you know, while you're waiting it feels like forever and then one day all of a sudden it's it's here. It's real. And it's like, "Oh man, like how you know, where did the time go?" The, do you find that that in, in, like re-energized you? Did that fill your battery? Um Honestly, I I don't know if it did just because I have literally gone from one big project into the next, into the next, and it's been like just kind of nonstop. And um, so I'm I'm still kind of just trying to keep up. Sounds like you need a vacation. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's it's a day in the. You got to pay the pay those bills. Got to pay those bills and. And I, you know, far be it from me to genuinely complain about what I do for a living. <laughs> sure, yeah, it, it could be worse. Yeah, I'm I'm blessed and I'm very yeah. grateful to be doing what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, like, you know, creativity is, you know, for 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 people who don't do creative stuff um, on a regular basis, like art or writing or you know things like that um i've run into a lot of people that look at folks who do do creative stuff and act like you know oh this is just fun for them even if they you know didn't do this for work they'd be doing it anyway it's a hobby and it's you know super easy for them and you know it's it's that kind of thinking that also leads to people asking artists to do work for them like for free or for yeah. dirt cheap and um which is bad if you have artists do anything for you pay them mm -hmm. please and pay them nicely if you can um but you know it's it is an emotionally and mentally exhausting effort even if it's fun and rewarding to do it it does take serious, serious, serious effort. Um, and, you know, it's not something for that anyone should take lightly. 
No, I I dare say not. And, you know, I think people really underestimate how much labor goes into this, not to mention Mm -hmm. just the years of of training and honing skill that, oh, that comes yeah. into it, you know, especially if an artist can produce something quickly. Oh, People yeah. Are like, well, that, that only took you like 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, well, but I mean, 20 years gave me the skill of getting this done in 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, like it's not, it's not nothing. Not that I think pay is based on, uh, effort by any means, but I think, um, I, I think that non artists, you know, or people that haven't done any kind of art just don't see the labor yeah. and the struggle and the study that's in there. And I think that if you do draw, it's easier to appreciate. Yeah. Because you're just like, oh, my gosh, I see it. Well, and it's it's a whole, you know, you watch anyone do like um, like time lapse art on YouTube and stuff like that, or even like certain tutorials and things. I like watching those. Yeah, they're the they're they're pretty fun. But like you look at it and you go, God, they just they make it look so easy. And and to a lot of people that gets translated into, oh, man, it it looks like he's not even trying. And so, you know, why should I pay him like crazy? Because like, oh, he's you know, he's probably not even thinking about what he's doing. It's just muscle memory and he makes a cool looking thing in five minutes. And, you know, it's just it's not the case, but yeah. Yeah, especially, you know, and I I found when I've, you know, tried to do work for other people, I do try to put emotion into it and I do try to capture a certain feeling. It's like, man, I I kind of like emotionally went there for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Um, but anyway. Yeah. Well, I don't want to spend too much time, but fantastic job. Artists, fantastic job. Writers, you should all be very proud. Thank you very much, man. We appreciate it um so so let's get into the main meat of the show and let's uh let's talk about your inspiration point friend all right my inspiration point tonight is gonna be something that when when it struck me i think it was actually during our um our last episode when like the idea popped into my head and i immediately like grabbed the nearest writing implement near me which was like a freaking dry erase marker and i just wrote on a napkin (laughs) i was like oh that's a good idea i'm gonna write that down right now um and that is something that a lot of you will probably be familiar with but if you're not it's called the rule of cool (laughs) and um so real quick i'm gonna kind of break down uh i'm gonna i wrote down what i feel is probably the definition of what the rule of cool is and then we'll i think if anyone does write the definition you definitely deserve that honor (laughs) there there you go there you go um so what is the rule of cool the rule of cool is when the gm or game master if you're new to this terminology decides Mm -hmm. to allow a course of action that would otherwise be disallowed or adversely affected by the rules for the sake of creating a memorable moment, adding fun to the game, or adding interest to the ongoing plot. First question, do you feel that that is accurate? Um, I think it's useful. I, yeah, I'll say it's I'll, I'll say it's accurate. Sure. Okay. No, I, I have I have no immediate objective 
objection. Cool. Um, you know, I, I shouldn't treat your definition like it's a premise for the existence of God or not. So <laughs> I, I think uh, I so far, let's just say I accept all your premises. Cool. Um, so I this this brings me to to two um, to two things like this. This is. This is something that I really gave some thought about to today. And um, like I wrote some serious notes about all this stuff versus the other stuff where full disclosure, I just wing it, which is also how I DM my games. So there's a running theme here, but but not everyone can wing that. So I, I suppose don't take true. that as advice, people, please. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Um, you either have it or you don't when it comes to winging. So there are kind of two sides to this and there are there's why why do rules matter? Rules matter yeah. because they put everyone on a pretty much level playing field and set expectations with regard to how things work so that everybody has a relatively equal understanding on how to interact with the game. That's why we like rules. I think I would also add that they add weight, right? Yes. There, there it, danger exists because rules exist. Yes. Drama in your game largely exists because rules exist. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think that they, you know, even game, well, obviously game mechanically, they add a lot. But even in terms of the storytelling aspect without rules, like we've all been frustrated by inconsistent magic systems and TV yeah. shows and movies and even video games to an exact extent. Right. You know, like where, you know, hey, why doesn't this guy just solve this problem? Like he's demonstrated the ability to do so. And then just because of plot, like he can't remember how to do that. Yeah. You know, that's very frustrating. Yeah, for sure. So here's the flip side. Why rules don't matter. <laughs> one with an rpg especially like like D, &D there's yeah. typically no overall win condition it's an ongoing story where cool stuff is happening you're not trying to like accumulate points or anything like that sure and it's not a tournament or something where anyone is affected outside your right own it's not group. competitive right like yeah. there's um unless you're looking at uh, something like Adventurers League or something where you have people outside your own group who are all trying to participate in this main thing where you definitely need to have more consistency and can't really fudge things. Can't do much, that too right? much. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Sometimes rules make things that should be possible a bit more difficult or slow than they maybe seem like they ought to be. Yeah. And lastly, rules can get in the way of good storytelling, possibly. So those are some of the main reasons I that struck me as, you know, why, why, what are good reasons for kind of throwing rules out the window? And, you know, what are um, what are kind of the stakes we're doing that. well it's interesting because you you still use rules to apply to like how to break rules right like right. there's still a criteria within that so it's not just completely 
whimsical or at random. Right. Right. Um, so let's see. Um, so we hit the definition. So I was, can I make a quick recommendation? Sure. And this is not something I have thought about for years. This literally came to me while you're talking. Um, you know, because I think we want to be sparing with rule of cool. I think we want to be really careful with it. Yeah. I, I believe in it. I think it's a useful tool. I think it's especially great when you have a DM screen and you can fudge. Yeah. Uh, without, you know, outright lying or altering the game. Sure. But I wonder if that would be the better use of the inspiration point. You know what I mean? Like, I realize that part of rule of cool is to not quantify things, but like it would, it, you know, because right now the inspiration point essentially gives you like a reroll, right? Yeah. And and what if it was like, I want a rule of cool this moment and just because let this, it happen because, you know, let me get an extra action in here. I can remember one time I was in a campaign and I was playing this uh, celestial character mm. Who who could teleport and he used a great sword. That sounds freaking awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So I wanted to do this thing where I could teleport in the air and then use gravity to like smash my sword down on a character. There you go. And and you know, but technically teleporting is an action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was some question as to like what I could do, and I was just like, damn. <laughs> This would be badass. Throw me that, a that's throw me I, a bone here. Throw me a bone, and he was like, "Yeah, man, it's cool. That happens." And I was just like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah and that's that's the that's the juice, man. Yeah, that was really cool. And you know, and of course, that's a memorable moment. I don't remember everything I've ever done in role playing games, but I remember that moment. Yeah, and and you know, so answer. I wonder if the inspiration point could be a good way to say here, you know. It's almost like the, your cheater button. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know and it it's what's nice about the inspiration point too, um, as as a mechanic, at least as written, is uh you can if you think another player has done something cool um that that warrants it and you have an inspiration point, you can give it to someone else too. So that's a I would also idea. add I would always at least give advantage to an action where the player had personally brought some kind of effort or great creativity to that action. Sure. So we, we did this uh, beauty contest in last night's game. Jeez. Oh, and one of the players participated and he sang an entire song for his talent portion of the, of the beauty pageant. It was, what was it? How far I'll go from Moana. <laughs> Yeah, it was from Moana. He sang the whole dang thing. And I was just like, you know what? Roll perform with advantage. You've earned it. You know, I don't think that that's completely crazy to offer that. In fact, right? I or think if you gave him like quadruple advantage, you're like, roll yeah, four I times. Did. Well, he them. sang the whole dang song. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no you're not going to have a guy put himself knows. out. <laughs> he hammed it up too, which I, was, which I appreciate. He really good. He wasn't trying out for the voice, you know what I mean? Like he was, he was hamming it up. It was good. <laughs> it was, it, oh, I was dying. It was really good. It was really, really good. You know, but he put it out there. If if uh, a player says, "I want to persuade this guy to do a thing," I'll often ask him, like, try to persuade him, say something. Yeah. And 
And if I think it's convincing, I'm going to give them advantage. If I think that he totally missed the mark and offended the guy, I'll, I'll give him disadvantage. You know, there you go. And I, I mean, think there's a light rule of cool in there. There, I think there is. And you know, with with that sort of thing too, especially when it's like RP, um, personal yeah. RP ability, it it can be a little little dicey. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> in terms of like what player you're dealing with, because yeah. you know the uh, the player we were talking about who sang the song, we've got another player at the table who I I would be stunned if he ever like sang a note, let alone an entire song. So you've you've got you know actually he's quite the singer. If I if if it's, I know he uh, likes musicals. No, he he can sing. Really? Yeah, he's actually performed our national anthem at graduations. I feel robbed. <laughs> I know, right? You wouldn't expect it, but you know, he's actually musically inclined. Well, tell him to bring some of that energy to the game. <laughs> um, I'll bring it up. Love you if you ever listen to this episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're big fans. So basically, you know, it consider who who you're dealing with with this sort of stuff too yeah sure sure but, uh, so so people need the dice to be in the way yeah of because you know we, i'm going to talk a little bit about introversion later but um you know this is something where people are like listen i took points and persuade so i could pretend to be a character that is persuasive i am not persuasive i do right. not wish to attempt it Right. And listen, I'm not I'm not your therapist, so I'm not here to, like, force you to do things that are uncomfortable. Right. Right. Like, OK, man, just roll the dice. That's cool. Yeah. Um. So I I tried to put together a few um, rule of cool moment signifiers. So so you can kind of use these as. Um, indicator again i like that you have rules that go with this yeah. because it it gives it structure and and uh doesn't cheapen the experience Ho hopefully hopefully it works um but these are the uh these are the moment uh signifiers i put together there are three of them sure. first one awesome. is the player appears to be thinking creatively or outside mm. the generally understood confines of the rules Yes. Number two, if the desired action would only require a minor boost in order to work, such as only needing one more space of movement, or maybe, it, like in your celestial character's case, like, yeah, give them the action to let it happen. But it's not like, oh, you get a whole additional turn, or, you know. Sure, yeah, no outright cheating that isn't like a plot cutscene, basically. Right. Um, and then lastly, when the player would find a successful outcome particularly exciting. So this is kind of going back to what we were saying before, like you want to use it sparingly. And if because if you were using it all the time, it would feel boring. It's like the idea of, you know, when when you have this a little kid who's just learning how to play games and they get really upset when they lose and you throw the idea at them of like 
okay, let's let's just play the you win game. And no matter what you do, you win. You get to win you all win. the time. It takes all the oomph out of it. So, you know, you don't yeah. want to just throw it around all the time. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you want these moments to be to feel earned mm -hmm. and to feel appropriate. Right. And, you know, yeah, you don't want it to just become an I win button. But like, you know, yeah, I think you're you, you've written some good criteria to go with this. Nice. Um, yeah, I might add some sort of quantifier like perhaps the inspiration point. Sure. Or perhaps, hey, man, uh, everybody gets like two of these ever. And mm -hmm. if you when you use it, man, you've you've used it. Yeah. You know, like I you know, you do want to be really careful. Yeah. But at the same time, like I think as DM, sometimes we, we have our 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 prescribed plan that we've made and we we are afraid to allow things sometimes to to get in the way with that. Mm. But, you know, you you try to follow the rules of improv and say yes, yeah. if you if it makes sense. And then hopefully you can work with that and make the player happy because I, I can definitely tell when player feels like I'm just telling them no. Mm -hmm. And then they're just like, am I being reduced to a set of dice? Right. Right. And it's like, no, man, like I value what you're adding to this. I'm valuing your creativity. Like, there's no way I would have said, OK, a song from Moana belongs in my campaign. <laughs> like never in a million. I would years. not. I would not have written that into my script, right? You know, like, but you know what? This is, I think it follows your criteria. Did it show some degree of, like, creativity and effort, you, you know? Bet. You bet. Was it, it going to break the game? No. <laughs> it wasn't. And, and it know. contributed to everyone, not only the player, but everyone else, just having a darn good time. None of us saw that coming. And it was like, where am I? Well, he, he, he left and he was like, oh, I need to get some water from my voice. I'm like, the, oh, boy. The instant I heard that, I was like, <laughs> we're in for something. We're in for something, man. Like that. That's part of the joy when you have a lot of like really advanced players. Like sometimes you get some way out of left field stuff that happens. Oh, that dude is game. For a whole bunch of stuff like you guys should hear what he tells us about the games that he would DM in person like there. Yeah, this guy has set his arm on fire. Set his arm effect. on fire. It's freaking crazy. <laughs> he had the gel and everything just like oh, he'll put the lights down and it's just he's ablaze. And, and it was all safe. You know, they had like a fire extinguisher nearby. Um, but I think he 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 goes. <laughs> all in and all out for for this stuff. yeah dude it's it's really impressive um so so but yeah i think that those are good criteria for rule of cool cool so i've got a couple more things on this so i also oh, sure. was uh trying to figure out when not to use rule of cool and they're ah, they're very interesting there are a few more points on this i've got five of them um Okay, let's hear First him. one, when it would be literally impossible for the proposed <laughs> action to take place and it is utterly outside of the character's realm of capability. Somebody mm. who's just straight up trying to break things or proposing an idea that is 
just ridiculous on the face of it and doesn't help anything. That's just, you know, it's it's obvious, but that's, you know, kind of the first one. Right. Well, um, I think this could extend to things that are not within the player's control. Yes. This was something I experienced when um, I was actually running for a group of brand new players that had no experience with D&D whatsoever. Mm. And one of them said, at this moment, this uh, thing walks by and then yeah. I grab it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you can't control what other things in the world do right right you are only in control of your character right I, I had to reestablish that so yeah i could tell they were a little bit disappointed like i had ruined their rule of cool moment yeah but it, to me that's such a like integral part of how the game functions yeah that you can't like allow that yeah and that that's that is something that i have seen from a lot of new players as well when you're you know, and not just with D&D, too. It could be with anything else where when it gets to your turn, you kind of instinctively say, you know, instead of saying, I want to try to do this, you say, I'm going to do this and this happens and this happens. And you almost kind of transition yourself into the DM role where you start kind of narrating results or, you know, sometimes set up um, with the effort of you know, trying to paint this cool mini scene for yourself um, yeah. instead of. But you also set yourself up for disappointment if the die roll does not work in your favor. Exactly. That's why on your turn, you say, I would like to try to blank and you roll. And once you have the result, that's when you find out what happens. And that's, you know, that's the fun of the game. Right. Or describe another verb that is like an effort that you can certainly guarantee like i swing my sword at him right yes you are going to do that that is you know or i am going to cast magic missile at this guy absolutely i am going to um cast my fireball so you know because that doesn't mean that's different from saying i'm gonna blow these guys to smithereens and i'm going to you know burn all these guys to death it's going to be awesome right because it's like well hold on yeah exactly we'll see <laughs> so we'll see about that. so this maybe that is what happened. this actually kind of leads into point number two that says um, okay. if it would infringe on the agency of another character i.e mm. making someone else's character or an npc do something they wouldn't normally do outside of the system's parameters. Like, you know, with in D&D, with some spells like Charm or like Dominate Monster or whatever, um, some of those spells do give you that level of control. And if you're, if you're using that sort of thing, then, you know, by all means. But generally speaking, if, if you're trying to basically... Speak for or control another entity that should have its own free will agency. or agency. That's that's a no go. Yeah, and I would recommend that even if you have spells that uh, compel things, you still need to respect one the DM's territory because yep. you can't just say, "Well, I grab your NPC and now they do my bidding." It's like, "Well, okay, let's make some rolls." Yeah. Um. 
And even if you have the capability, I would highly recommend, because I've done this, I would highly recommend never casting any kind of mind-altering spell on a fellow player. Just don't. Just don't just do don't that do it. stuff. That's... And if I if and if I'm the DM at that table and they say I cast dominate on this uh, another player, I just say no. Right. <laughs> I don't even like do a fake roll and say I'm sorry, but it failed. You know, uh, or a mysterious essence tells you not to do that. Yeah. I'm just like that's not allowed. Yeah. That's that's a that that comes down to like yeah. social contract kind of. Yeah. kind of stuff like you just you don't mess with each other that way unless unless you guys have all gone into the game with the understanding that this kind of thing can happen if that's the kind of game right. you're playing okay but or if you or if you chatted with the person beforehand like, and just say hey let's set you know, this if I thing do up this, is this the end of our friendship you know right like, um, and I did not do that. We we had one player in a game. You were in this game, and you know, um, the, the, she was particularly um obstinate. She wasn't gonna like work with our characters because that's what that was the nature of her character. I'm not picking on her as a player. Sure. Um, you know, but my character was kind of going through a dark side and used um, I think Gaius or something. I mm. used some sort of mind controller dominate person it was third edition i don't remember what the spell was right well anyway it, it connected Ugh. and uh didn't go over well oh, did not go over well she was very upset it ended up with crying we bathroom discussions Ugh. like just we learned about D boundaries that day yeah and i have not attempted anything similar since well and that's you know and and we learn and this takes us back to the uh, the running theme of this entire freaking podcast series, which is compassion and giving a crap about one another and <laughs> not not pulling jerk moves like dominating your fellow players. <laughs> Don't, do, Don't that. do that. Not cool. Don't do that. Not. It is the opposite <laughs> of rule of cool. Bad form. Bad form. Uh, what is point number four? Uh, three, but this is a short one. Three. Okay. If it harms the plot or runs counter to the tone of the scene. So if it basically throws a wrench in a not interesting way into what's going on, or like if you're having a serious dramatic scene, you know, rule of cooling something that it just, you know, kill the mood or make things just for whatever reason, not fun or feel incoherent just don't don't do it wait till an appropriate time that that almost sounds like advice for the player more than anything else sure where it's just like hey man this other guy's having um an emotional moment yeah. my character farts you know what dude shut that up that could be funny <laughs> in a certain movie but like this isn't your moment yeah so please like sit down be, be respectful be respectful, man. This is not your moment. You're going to get your moment. Right. So that's an easy one. Uh, number four, if the action is deliberately being done just to exploit mechanics or gain numerical benefit, if there's no mm. flavor to it. Like power gaming. Yeah. That that kind of stuff can go sit in the backseat, yeah. if you ask me. Um, and then 
Yeah. Lastly, number five is if another player had tried doing something truly similar before and it was disallowed with good reason. So basically, if the DM or rather GM, if you're not playing D&D, had basically already set a precedent that this kind of thing was not allowed, that's kind of advice for the DM to check themselves and go, okay, even though I want to maybe give you the go-ahead because this really might be a freaking cool idea. I did tell this guy no before, so I'm going to tell you no now because that's fair play. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think those are really excellent points of of when and when not. Um, yeah, because what you do to one side, you have to do to the other, right? right? And if you you don't want anyone to feel like there's favoritism at the table, oh, that's... which often happens. You know, we of course we're all a little bit biased. We we like certain people more than others. Sure. Um, this is especially bad when you see couples at the table. Oh yeah. You know, just there is a lot of times. I mean, not to say you should never play with your significant other, but or run for them or whatever. It's just, hey, if you if you ruled have cooled it for one person, you have set a precedent, right? Right. And if you haven't, you've also set a precedent, and you need to you need to follow your own rules at that point. Yeah, for sure. So, um, this brings me to I've got two short sections and then that'll be it so um i've got how to use rule of cool and this is this is just a real fast list start with just saying yes and this goes back to what you mentioned about rules of improv improv, where it's like listen to what's being said i just clapped right there and i meant not to sorry everyone (laughs) it wasn't too um but (laughs) Listen to what's being said and think about how you can build off of what's being presented to you. Number two, Mm -hmm. think from the player's perspective. What is my player who ideally should be a person you know or that, you know, that you have an idea of who the player, not the character, who the player is and what kind of stuff they tend to be trying to pull off or, you know, what are they trying to get out of what they're doing? Number three, consider the ramifications. If I let this thing go, if I rule a cool this, what's that going to do? Going back to what we just talked about a minute ago, uh, what precedent might this set? Am I going to regret this later? You know, <laughs> and you're you're the GM. If you know, it's absolutely within your rights to go. I made a bad call there. I should have done this differently or I should have said no in the future. I'm not going to. That sort of thing is totally fine. We're all allowed to grow as we play. Um, but consider the ramifications. Number four reconcile the action with any roles that happen. So any roles that had come before or any roles that you're going to demand later, make sure it all makes sense. If you say this big, cool thing happened, don't like ask for a follow-up role that might fail and might just take (laughs) all the steam out of everything. (laughs) Right. Like don't undermine the coolness 
with BS roles. Just let it play out. That could be another whole inspiration point. When to ask for a die roll and when not. Oh my God. Yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. There are too many freaking die rolls. I get out of bed and put on my slippers. Well, I see that dex roll. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And this is not heavy rain. (laughs) Let's, let's steer away from that one. Um, so. Last in in this little list is adapt failure with no but. So if if you do have to say no, be aware that the player is trying to do something awesome. They really, yeah. really they're which tells you if they're if they're being earnest. Right, right. Yeah. They're they're invested. They're engaging in your game and you want, want, want to incentivize that. But sometimes they might be asking for too much. I know I sure have plenty of times. But if you have to say no, a nice way to do it is saying no, that can't happen, but... Let me see how I can work with it a bit. Let me see if I can give you something. I know in our games, there have been plenty of times where I've been like, I want to try to do this freaking crazy thing, man. Let's 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 do it. And you're like, well, that's that's a bit much, but cool idea. I see where your head's at. Maybe we can do this instead. You throw out an alternative. You go. This could still be cool, you know, and you don't just you never shut me down hard. It's like I yeah. see what you're going for. Let's see if we can at least do something. And then nobody right. feels like they're leaving the table empty handed. You feel heard, you know, and and it's uh, it's showing empathy and we're keeping the theme consistent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. the theme. Yeah. Yeah. I care about the feelings of your, of your players. Well. And that goes to anything else, right? Like if if one of your kids comes up to you and says, uh, "Daddy, I made this drawing and it sucks," you know, you know, <laughs> you, know you just don't you don't just destroy their dreams on the spot, Dad. You know, but like it, you know, I I teach high school and you know, my I'll ask a question and one of the students will give an incorrect answer, and wrong. Sit you know, back down. <laughs> Yeah, wrong sit down that kid's never raising their never hand again, again most likely and then you just you just lost connection with them and that's not going to do you any good no good uh now okay if the ki- kid's being a jackass that's different and you can usually tell the difference but, i'm not even gonna bleep um, that out <laughs> well, it's jackass it's not that no bad. it's uh, um and kids definitely can be so if you're a yeah, kid donkey think about that <laughs> think about it long just think about it and hard <laughs> But, you know, especially if the kid is like in the ballpark sure. or is like they're trying, they've an- they've answered something that's like adjacent, right? Like, I'm going to be like, OK, I, you know, that's actually pertaining to this other idea. Right. Um. So in this case, that's not what we're talking about. But but keep thinking, man, keep raising your hand. I like that. Right. You know, you, you want them to say, oh, cool. You know, I still contributed something. Yeah. This is embarrassing when the teacher's just like, no, 
Right. No stupid. You know, you, you went out on a limb, you tried to contribute, and the person running things just counter-incentivized you and was like, here's what you get for going out on a limb. You, I'm going to break that limb and send you crashing to the ground and uh, enjoy and, and, that. And by the way, you should never ask this question as a teacher, but if you do, you ask the question, does anyone have any questions? <sighs> and you've been shutting people down. No one's going to have questions. No one's going to have questions. <laughs> or the, here's another here's another question that has always driven me crazy. Like, does that make sense? Does that make does that sense? Make sense? Dude, if you're questioning if it makes sense, then right now I'm not sure. And it's like, <laughs> and if I say no, am I admitting that I'm an idiot and that this thing that clearly you think should make sense doesn't make sense to me? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was in second grade and I remember this. The only like this is one of like two days I remember in all of second grade, you know, in my 36 year old brain. And I, I remember we were learning about subtraction Ooh, and rough. how to carry the number, right? Like you have to borrow from the tens place and carry the one over. You remember this? <laughs> Dude. Have I told you this story? No, but I understand no. the feel like carry, like with my hands, what am I doing? How does this I did work? not understand this. I could not wrap my second, second grade brain around carrying and borrowing. Cause numbers. it's freaking dumb. That number was over there. You can't just, who am I to like take a number from over here? That's that number's number. <laughs> Every math problem up till now had been specifically designed to be solvable for my level. Right. right. Like it was always a higher number minus a smaller number. And then this is the way the world should like be. Seven minus nine. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, what? whoa, whoa, <laughs> this, this was incorrectly manufactured. Someone put these numbers in the wrong places. But I, I can remember that she was explaining it and she was, she asked, is anyone confused? And Utterly. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe a couple of kids rose her hand. I rose my hand. She said, she said, okay. And she went on, went through it again. And then she said, are we are we all are you all with me? Because we can't move on unless we're all on the same page here. And I rose my hand and I, I was like the only one. And she was like, OK, one more time. And she went through it again. Do you understand now? I said, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm just really having a hard time. And other kids in the class started being like, oh, God, <laughs> man, you're killing Dude, them. why can't you understand this? Why can't you not be <laughs> dumb? <laughs> like, So that was like the first day I realized I was bad at math. Oh, but God, that's it's it's a rough time, man. It's that 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 sucked. You know, I kept asking because I knew it was important, but like. You know, it definitely made me think twice about asking questions. Well, at least with that teacher. Good on you, man. Like, because I I have had that moment so many times way later in life and many, (laughs) many times in math related settings as one finds themselves in. And and they would ask that specific thing. Like, does anyone have any questions? And you kind of look in your peripheral vision, see if you see any other hands going up to kind of test the <laughs> waters. Because if no one else puts their hand up, I'm like, yeah, we're good. And then I go to my math buddy at lunch and go, dude, they don't know what 
they're talking gibberish in this class. Make this make sense to me. I couldn't tell the teacher because oh, I'd yeah. be a complete well, idiot. Yeah. Well, I remember in college trying to learn about Mel scripting. Oh, scripting can take a long walk and, off a short beer. You know, I had taken no other sort of scripting or programming course at all. This woman had a very thick accent. Mm. Um, you know, she she kept messing up on her own scripts and she had to keep going back oh. and fixing them. She would take like a long time to figure out what was wrong with them. I had no idea what to write down. I had I, I don't think I learned anything in that class. Rough. But I didn't ask questions because I was just like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah. I just, I'm just, listen, I'm going to literally cheat and get through this. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> not to advocate cheating, but. Well, I think she low-key knew. She she made the final project like, okay, if you pass the final group project, then you pass the class. And I was like, bingo. Yes. Nice. I teamed up with a smart talk in my language. Hey, cool dude. I, I felt okay about it because I had I had carried so many other group projects oh, and other sure. things. Like it, you know, what goes around comes around, man. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna get to the yeah. last bit I have yeah, here. Sorry, that was a quite a segue. No, that's that was those are some fun <laughs> stories, man. And I sure. up until this point, I had not heard a second grade story from you, and uh I feel like I know you a little better now. Yeah, you do. Very good. <laughs> That's a true story. Um, so the last little segment I have here is the benefits of the rule of cool. And there are three yeah. of them. First one is high enthusiasm. Whether someone is a rules lawyer or not, if you let them do cool things, they will come back and will enjoy your games. It is stuff like this that will bring players back to your table. They'll go, I got yeah. to have a good time in this game. I got to do something awesome that the DM didn't have to let me do, but they did. That buys you table cred. Table cred. And that's like. By the way, that's the name of our new restaurant that Andrew and I are opening up. Table cred. Boom, table cred. But you have to use actual money to pay. <laughs> yeah, we need that. Please, please help. Please, God help. <laughs> um, number two, it keeps you loose and hones your ability to adapt to player ideas, which is the thing that makes RPGs special. In, it, specifically, tabletop rpgs your ability to adapt to what a player gives you is what makes the experience special and not a computer rpg like oh you know these are your sets of predefined actions that you can choose from to which there are predefined responses instead it's like mm -hmm. oh this player threw this off the wall out of left kind of idea at me that never in a million years mm. would I have predicted. I could just say no. I might even be within my rights to say no. But I could also say yes and see <laughs> where this goes. Sarah because it, it'll also take you somewhere that you never anticipated. And that's where the real that's where the real fun is. 
because everybody gets gets surprised. And it's not very often that that the GM who's planning out the story gets a really cool surprise. Um, so that's I think that's really good. I, I've had a few characters that I meant to be very minor mm. become major characters because of player intervention. Oh, yeah, because they saw them differently. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, I didn't mean for you to, like, become a thing. But now you're a thing. Yeah. And it's, I, I love stuff okay. like that. Like, it, And it's always like the most ancillary characters who are like standing off in a corner. But you just happen to mention that they have a feather in their hat. And clearly that means they're significant. So the players just latch <laughs> on to it like a freaking pit bull who's been starving yeah. for a week and they don't let go. <laughs> all of a sudden that guy is that's all they care about. That's all they care about. And you're like low key trying to drop hints. Like this doesn't He's matter. Please thing. move on. Oh, he's um, a thing. You know, but you know, make it work. I don't know. Make it work. Maybe they, maybe they're here to tell your character now about the cool thing they should be doing. There you go. Um, adapt. You know, adapt. Yeah, exactly. So last point I've got is that it encourages creativity outside the box thinking and engagement on the player's part. If mm. other players see this stuff happen and they see that you're willing to rule of cool stuff, they'll go, oh, this this is something we can do. Okay. And that is where some of the danger comes that's in, true. right? So that's true. Just remember, if you do say yes to a rule of cool, you must, as you pointed out before, say yes when it comes precedent. up for someone else. You've set precedent. So you need to be really careful. Right. But if if your players are willing to listen and are conscientious about how they're playing and they're not going to be jerks about it and can also accept when you say no to things, um, then this will incentivize your other players to like, to really come up with some really cool, cool ideas that, um, that will likely surprise you and add, you know, just a very special sauce to the game that will, that will make a very special. Yeah. Sauce. It'll make your, your journey and your story that much more your own meaning, mm -hmm. meaning, uh, belonging to you and your group um yeah i think you, you point out something there there's something here that a computer can't do yeah you know maybe maybe a game can surprise you you know i've been surprised by a couple of things that programmers did oh think sure of. but yeah there is something inherently only a human this is handcrafted in mm -hmm. a way you know where yeah this was all adapted on the fly this is for me that's really yeah. cool so that's that's my point. Rule cool. It's it's awesome. I love it and I I love when GMs do it. Like, you know, they'll there are some who who are so they feel almost bound by the rules. Um and the, yeah, I don't know if there's anything on like wrong with that per se. Right. 
Um, cause you know, some people are just like, I really like to watch these dice land where they yeah. land and, and roll with that. That's true. So I don't think it's wrong to, to say no, but I would say maybe just know your players and maybe be upfront about that. Yeah. So like, Hey man, this is just not a thing we're doing. We are following strict D and D. It's not the way I would roll, but it's, um, you know, if you do, I think I think you do provide a lot of really good advice for people that are open to implementing rule of cool and maybe a second thought for people that wouldn't normally be open to it. Good. That's and that's it, what I'm looking for. Because there are still some rules you can apply. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll break there and I will turn it over to okay. you, Adam. What is your inspiration point? So I have a campaign going right now where I have a lot of NPCs. That's true. <laughs> uh, you know, my characters are building out an entire settlement. Um, I haven't accounted for like every individual that exists in this world, but I have accounted for many of the major shopkeepers, many of the people they've interacted with, uh, people that they've brought to the settlement from outside. There is uh, a rival and former adventurers. Um, you know, former villains that have joined the settlement. Um, there are people outside the settlement in other lands, uh, that exist. Uh, there have been characters I didn't plan on giving a name. And then the players ask the damn question, what is this character's name? And then I have to come up with it. I'm always so excited <laughs> when I ask you that question and <laughs> To be very clear, <laughs> we play audio only over Roll20, but it is That's an right. instance in which I don't need video, but can still see your face <laughs> when I ask that question. And it makes me smile so big every time I even, <laughs> the question pops into my head, ask what his name is. Oh, That's here we go. That's why one of our characters in the campaign is named after a foul exclamation. Yes. Cause we, um, we won't yeah. say it here. It's, it's a <laughs> obleep. Uh, yeah. And he is a beloved member of the community now. And, a, um, and an exquisitely talented violinist. That's right. Well, he's getting, he's better. getting better. He practices <laughs> he's getting hard. Better. He does. He does his best. Um, so, but now he's got his own token and he's got his own, you know, like information and stuff. He's a thing. Well, I I was filling out a lot of information for a lot of these characters because we were having this big festival event because I like to do that every now and give give people chances to interact uh, socially in non-combat right. ways. Um, So I do these like um, seasonal festivals in this world and the players seem to usually like it. Mm. <laughs> the, some, some things are hit and miss, but it, it is what it is. Um, but anyway, I'm filling out a lot of data for a lot of these characters and I'm just going, oh my gosh, how am I going to get all of this done? I, I think I've got like 50 different NPCs that I have <sighs> tokens for, you know, something Maybe. like that. Some crazy number. And I just said, how, what I have dug my own grave here. Mm. How am I going to track all these guys? How am I going to remember what their voices are? You know, how am I going to remember what the personalities are? So I decided I can't write a paragraph for each character. Mm. You know, maybe maybe for the ones that get more play than others, like a few of them have a few yeah. notes. 
that that are now attached because I'm more likely to remember them. But for a lot of the characters, they've had little to no interaction. Sure. And so I came up with a bulleted list. And this is by no means what I consider to be the definitive list of quick reference NPC building. Okay. But it's what works for me and for my style of running games and for using Roll20. So is is the is the inspiration point how to the the bare bones NPC uh like must haves for for NPC information? Yeah, I had a hard time coming up with <laughs> verbalizing it as okay. well. But yeah, it's essentially at a glance NPC information. Okay, cool. Like, like this is again, this is my humble suggestion, but there's a couple of other little inspiration points kind of baked okay. in here. And these are ways to think about characters. And I'm not the first person to to talk about this in, in people that talk about DMs or talk, that uh, have uh, talked about Dungeons and Dragons or other role playing mm. games. OK, so number one, obviously you have their name. Maybe there's a nickname attached. OK, that part's easier. Sure. The next thing is. Uh, profession what do they do mm -hmm. okay that's fairly obvious so i'm looking at one of my characters right now her name is jenny townsend oh jenny and yeah i know yeah you guys all love jenny right and so jenny um profession homemaker slash researcher okay right that's what i have for her uh next i actually have sexuality i'm not this is by no means in any kind of order of importance mm. per se um but I put sexuality there because I know that sexuality is important to a couple of my players. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that there's some degree of representation. Okay. And so I have included that. I also personally like romance options. Mm. I love them in video games. I like to have them in role playing games. I've had my characters have a relationship with another player character, mm. even though the two of us playing are both straight males. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But but he was playing a female. I was playing a male. The characters fell in love. Hmm. And I and I thought that was great. I wouldn't do that every time, but it was a good time. So but anyway, I have sexuality. Um, then I have oh, she's straight, by the hmm. way, um, if it matters at all. Alignment. Um, you know, I'm I'm iffy on alignment, but I think it's a it's a good starting point. At least she's lawful. Good. Okay. Um. Uh, I'm going to skip down a bit and go to voice. Okay. Because voice is something that is hard for me to track. I also have some difficulty switching from voice to voice. I do my best, but I know that sometimes my accents become inconsistent. Yeah, it's it. That's real hard to do. I mean, it, for a player, it's much easier can, because you can kind of let your head just stay in that space and for for the entire evening like when you're talking this is how you talk but if you're the gm and you have to bounce between you know sometimes like two dozen different characters some of which have extremely you know you could go from uh you know from heavy irish to like heavy russian or something like that and um That's it right. can it can be super jarring and never mind if you like forget. It, and if I do anything vaguely in English, it often starts becoming more and more cockney if I if I relax. So goblin. 
So yeah, I keep going back there and it's, it's hard, especially if it's an accent you've been doing a lot, yeah. it, it can be hard to, to jump back. But first of all, I, I largely try to base the voice of my character off the artwork. I have a portrait for each of these characters that, uh, by the way, my pro tip, I go to Pinterest to find fan art and I actually pull a lot of art from there. Super good. Um, totally works. And I use a token generator. Uh, just Google that. It's like Token Maker 2.0 oh, or something I, like that. I thought it was Token Stamp. I'm going to look it up right now. It, that might be Let's it. Let's see. Yeah, look it that up. Is rolladvantage.com. No dashes or hyphens or anything. Rolladvantage.com slash token stamp slash. That's it. No spaces, yeah. hyphens, yeah, I like underscores. That rolladvantage.com slash tokens. It's a very easy to use, very basic site um, that it's very intuitive and it gives you some interesting options because I like to use portrait um, tokens yeah. for for all, basically all my characters. Um, and so anyway, I, I look at this face and I will open up this face when I am this character. I will open up the portrait mm. and um, and I look at it and I will stare at this face while I am delivering my voice because I'm trying to remember to stay in that headspace. Really keeps you grounded. And, and, and this could be especially hard, at least for me, when when playing female characters. Because yeah. I try to soften my voice. I don't try hard to sound feminine per se, but like I do try to soften up. I, a bit, I think some of the depending some, on who I am. I I've watched some um instruction on how to do different voices and stuff like you know like for for folks who record for audiobooks and things like that because usually if a guy tries to do a female voice it's really easy for it to go into like caricature land where it's like oh, yeah it can. i'm speaking like a girl and all this stuff right they either do the monty python sort of scratchy yeah. voice you know, or they do, yeah, sort of effeminate, you know, so it's like sounds, almost borderline offensive kind of. Yeah, not even just offensive towards women, but perhaps other sexual or just one's senses. Um, <laughs> But so, they, OK, so there's there's yeah. that. I don't want to spend too sure, much sure. time on voice, but but that is one of the notes I put. So for her, I have light southern sweet. Okay. Yeah. And some of them have other like key names. Like I have one character, the voice section just says Major Kong. Oh, because that makes sense okay. to me because Major Kong is a character from Dr. Strange Love mm -hmm. and he has a very specific accent. And that is what I want that character to sound cool. like. And so I just, just so say long that. as you have might a, have something that says like just so long as you have a reference mean, that that that's right. means something to you. Exactly. And it can be specific to mm -hmm. you. So that's fine. Okay. So, so far I have profession, sexuality, alignment, and voice. Uh, the next three, and I only have three more, okay, are a little bit tricky because you don't want your list to be very long. Otherwise, you don't have that instant reference right. anymore. Um, so the next one I have is, um, and these, again, are these are almost going to be like little mini inspiration points. Okay. In so the next one I have is love language. Oh, okay. So if anyone isn't familiar, I'm pretty sure you're familiar. Yeah, five the five um, love languages, right? 
the five love languages, which okay? are uh, they they are uh, well, they they have a certain order, but I'm just going to put them in sure. any order. Um, so there's one is gift giving. People like to receive gifts, mm-hmm. right? Another one is acts of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people enjoy quality time. Yep. There's also touch. This isn't necessarily just sexuality. This could be just like a pat on the shoulder, uh, a neck rub, um, a hug, a reassuring, you know, I don't know, whatever. Um, but there's touch. And another one, uh, which is mine, actually, is uh, words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. I like I like my pretty. Oh, words. yeah. And so um, that's easy because they're just five. They're very relatable. Uh, these come from, uh, I reviewed the guy's book. I can't remember his name. Um, let me look it up just for everyone's reference. Um, five love languages. Yeah. It's a, it's a very famous book. Um, Gary Chapman. That's it. Um, he is basically a family therapist Mm -hmm. and this was a trend he kept finding in his, um, in, in his work with his clients that many times you had couples that were trying to um, express love to one another, but because they weren't speaking the right love language for each other, through. it wasn't getting through. And they're like, I do all of this stuff. I say all this stuff. I give her all this but stuff. But I don't care about this stuff. And the, uh, and the other person feels completely unloved. Mm-hmm. And so then they, then this rift creates uh, between them. And then the next thing they know, they're in the office of Gary Chapman. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, he compiled a book that had these five love languages. Well, I think these are great for NPCs, not just for the romance option, but for any kind of interaction. Yeah, like, right. What gets through to this person? Like, I can t- kind of tell you about. What I think Andrew's love language is, I think you're also a words of affirmation. Absolutely. Guy. Yeah. Talk yeah. me up. So baby, I always try to say something. <laughs> yeah. I think that's part of the reason why we get along. Cause when we're nice to each other, like we really feel that. Right. Yeah. So it's like, like I know if I pay Andrew a compliment, I've got him. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. And Hook, line, and sinker. You know, but at the same time, like we've never, we've never been ones to, to, BS each other either like we'll be straight but we're always like look man and we've had I know arguments. you know this this might suck right. to hear and I I almost don't want to say this but I but I love I you, love you so, so here, it, here comes. it comes please know that I say <laughs> this meaning and this is the preface helps it's and it's it's <laughs> even worse when it's like over an email or something like that when someone like oh yeah because you can't get tone oh it's it's you know. rough some conversations you should at least call. yeah yeah you <laughs> right? should you should at least but call. uh yeah it's words of affirmation are are wonderful yeah so my wife is not words of affirmation i'm like you are very pretty and she's like thank you it's <laughs> acts of service or quality time those are my guesses yeah for yeah, that's basically it's almost a tie, I yeah. would say, between the yeah. two of those. I would say it's I think it does lean more acts of mm-hmm. service. Cause when I do the dishes, I basically get what there I want. There you go. There you go. <laughs> she comes home and you clean the house. It's like you if, beautiful. If man. the house is clean and if it's a surprise, like, oh my gosh, I just win. Yeah. There you go. But anyway, like kind of getting back to role playing <laughs> games. Hey, 
That um, that's but I put if I put there's anything for, about role playing games, it's it's about knowing how to win. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's true. It's true, right? And you know that doesn't mean you can just spam one thing for a person and then they have to but, love you, right? Like there's still <laughs> no, just, you know, like if if someone's gift giving and you give them the wrong gift, yeah. you know, like that still exists. And also, gifts are not mind control. You know, don't use this as your excuse to like force an NPC or a PC into bed with you. That's there's problems there, right? Like we're not going to get there, but you know, manage your expectations. But if you, you know, if you genuinely uh, want to curry the favor of another character, maybe you're playing a game with political intrigue. Right. Understanding what their love languages are could be very useful, and and for you as a DM, that's an easy thing to keep track sure. of. Right. Just I open up the portrait right next to the portrait. There's like, boom, boom, I, like, boom, boom, I think boom. I have seven bullet points here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep. Seven. And one of them is this person likes gifts or they like acts of service or whatever it is. And then that might be something they ask for or that might be something that they react better. Yeah. To, and, you right? know, you kind of so. also in how you RP that that character, you want to put in. You know, maybe you don't lay it on too thick, but, you know, you put in some tells so that your players can, you know, have a chance at sussing that out. So they go, oh, you know, I I, I noticed a little hint that, you know, they appreciate this kind of thing. And maybe it's not like so blatant as like, oh, that's obviously one of the love languages. But, you know, they go, oh, this, you know, this person was talking about a gift they got and they really enjoyed it or you know whatever by the way i don't know if you picked up on this last night but the npc that you spent a lot of time talking uh-huh. to and, and attempting to court her love language is not gifts it, yeah that uh that <laughs> came across very quite strongly i hadn't cons- now, she didn't hate the gifts. i hadn't considered it in those terms but uh she <laughs> She definitely could have taken or left it, um, and that's and that's a fine. More ambiguous. And to to be very clear, like I I am not a person who goes in for um, RPG relationships in a heavy sense. Like the amount of RP that I am personally willing to do with relationships is very 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 minimal and cursory just because that's you know what i'm comfortable with that's you what know, you're i'm very with. much yeah, like a that's fine like a early on in the encounter fade to black kind of like you know whatever it is it happened off screen that's i don't feel the need to play <laughs> yeah, definitely. anything um i and i would certainly never role play out a sexual encounter right i like, appreciate no. that 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 is not the experience we're gonna have <laughs> right. right um I, I I love you, man, and I know I feel like we know each other really well. There are certain things I like to remain. And, and I know my wife is like, <laughs> don't go having like a serious relationship in your games. That's weird. And I'm like, fair enough, babe. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So the the next bullet point I put in is a little bit more complex. Um. This is personality. That is complex. <laughs> that is complex. But what I use for it is the Myers Briggs oh, test. Oh, okay. Um, 
you know, for those of you that don't know, this was a test basically developed by uh, two women, I want to say, during World War II. Wow, it's been around if I now. remember correctly. Um, and basically, it was designed to help people find tasks that were uh, right for them. Um, I don't know how really scientific Myers-Briggs really is. I've asked a couple of my science buddies uh, that are like science majors for various things. Uh, but anyway, they're just like, eh, I don't know about it. Uh, it seems pseudoscience-y to me. And I'm just like, okay, it's fine. So I'm not going to sit here and say Myers-Briggs is the be-all, end-all of sure. psychology. But I am going to say that for a role-playing game, it's a great quick reference. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the Myers-Briggs, um, well, all of the personality types outlined by them are a four letter code. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but they also come along with a nickname and I write down the The nicknames are, cause that's a handy, that's very useful. So to give you a couple of examples, uh, first of all, Myers-Briggs is built around, uh, extroverted versus introverted, mm-hmm. which is pretty easy to understand. You know, either your character's outgoing or not. Um, whether or not they're intuitive or sensing, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not they're um, thinking or feeling, mm-hmm. and whether or not they're judging and perceiving. Right. I just did a clip. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so I use a website to help me with that. So what some is, of the what is the, the website? Well, there are actually quite a few websites that will give you Myers-Briggs information. The one I'm looking at right now is called verywellmind.com. Okay. Uh, and then slash the Myers-Briggs type indicator with dashes in between the okay. words. And is, does the website itself have any dashes or anything? Uh, in the URL, it does. Um, the, the website itself is just called Very Well Mind. Uh, and then I'm looking at personality psychology. Cool. Good to know. So, again, that's it. That is not the one and only place to find information on Myers-Briggs, but it is a place, uh, one place you could look. So I uh, here's one example. Uh, ISTJ. Now, that code on its own doesn't mean a whole lot. But if we break it down, it means um, it introverted. Um, what is it? Sensing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sensing. Um, Perceiving and judging. Right. No, T, T, TJ. So judging is the last one. The T is thinking. Oh, Sorry. T. Gotcha. Yeah. ISTJ. And the nickname for that is the inspector. Ah, see. Okay. There you so go. This, that, this, that puts an image right in your head. That puts an image right in your head. The other ones are the crafter, the protector, the artist, the advocate, the mediator, the architect, the thinker. And those are all the introverts. Mm, okay. And then the extroverts are persuader, director, performer, caregiver, champion. That's me, by oh. the way. Um, the giver, the debater, and the commander. Wow. Which, if you had to guess, which one do you think I'd be? Well, I'm, en- I'm ENFP, the champion, so it's probably also you. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Pretty close. Um, if I were to guess something different, I would definitely put you as E first. I think that you're more extroverted. Yeah. I think between intuition and sensing, I would say intuition. Yeah. Thinking and feeling, I would say feeling. Honestly, 
I, I, I think you're correct. But when I've gone through these tests, there have been times where I do feel like I sometimes kind of land in the middle. That that's a tricky one for me. Yeah, that could be tricky. And then between judging and perceiving, I would say maybe more judging. I think maybe you're just that a tiny bit different from me in that way. What's the what's the what's the difference? And that one's the giver. That one's between the giver. between judging and perceiving. What's the so the the paragraph reads the final scale involves how people tend to deal with the outside world. Those who lean towards judging prefer structure and firm decisions. Mm. People who lean towards perceiving are often more open, flexible, and adaptable. Um, so mm. yeah, I mean, I guess you could land either way yeah. there. Um, because we just got done with a discussion about how you should be open and flexible, but even within that, you Rules. had criteria. Yeah, that's true. I I do like and, guidance, and I yeah, and you do you know based upon some of the feedback you've given me for games, sometimes you do get a little bit frustrated with the amb- like especially moral ambiguity of characters that I present. Sure. Yeah, and, and you've said things like before, like can this character just be a bad guy or just be a good guy? Like that would really make my life. Because I just yeah, I get paralyzed <laughs> with like, okay, how do I freaking deal with this? Oh, there's actually no right answer, and it's like there's no right. Answer. <laughs> That's right. So I think you're slightly more judging because I think you like to put things in boxes that make sense to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. And that would make you the giver, huh? ENFJ. But that's that's just my, you know, cursory glance sure. at this. Not going full detail into my, you know, and you you're gonna know yourself probably better than I will. Um, though probably not a probably whole not lot. a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, that's agreed. So anyway, I just put one of these um things next to my character. Um, Jenny is also a giver. Makes sense. Yeah. So she is. She is what I consider to be kind of an Andrew-esque personality, although she's maybe slightly more introverted. Yeah. Um, and then find um, and I, 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 well, I won't tell you her love language because I'm just going to keep that sure. to myself. That's that'd be spoiler. Um, the final thing I have, and this is very specific to my campaign, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend this for everybody, except for maybe major NPCs. Mm-hmm is the archetype um oh like the arcana yeah i i am becoming increasingly a fan of the tarot as a um storytelling device i attribute no magic or mysticism to it um if you do that's fine uh but i am uh strictly secular and i um yeah but I do think that these things are based on multiple cultures. They're, they're, these aren't just shots in the dark, right? These are things that that are true across multiple cultures and religions. They're very and, major themes uh, throughout life. Yeah, very major themes. And it has a lot in common with like things like the hero's journey mm-hmm. and the archetypes presented by Joseph Campbell. Uh, there's a lot of overlap there. Um Particularly, I'm fascinated by the fool's journey, mm. uh, which is similar, again, to the hero's journey, uh, but it focuses on specific archetypes met throughout that journey. Um, so I might not apply one of these 
arcana or archetypes to each NPC I have, but I would definitely attribute them to major beats or chapters within mm. my story. And she definitely has one. Cool. Uh, quick rundown of these. Um, if you've never heard of these, there is the fool. I would never give an NPC the fool archetype. Really? Because the fool is the one going through the journey, beginning the journey. Mm. Um, I might attribute a fool arcana to an NPC who is just starting out for the first time. But for the most part, I think of the players as the fool. Not um, meant derisively. Which is not meant derisively. It doesn't mean that they're they're stupid, but it does say that they don't know what's going right. to happen. They're they're open to the the journey that's ahead of them, but they are sort of in their current form. They need to go through a couple of transformations to experience the the weight and importance of their mm. journey. So that's what we mean by cool. that. Okay. Then there's the magician. And this is not a mage. This is a person that gives you gifts for your journey. Mm. Um, there's the uh, and I won't explain all of these because honestly, it could be its own thing, but. Um, there's the high priestess, the empress, the emperor, the hierophant, the lovers, the chariot, strength, the hermit, wheel of the fortune, wheel. which, which you're familiar with, um, justice, the hanged man, death, temperance, the devil, the tower, the star, the moon, the sun, judgment, and the world. And the world again is another card I would not give to a character. Mm. Uh, the world should represent your um, this essentially the world your character lives in in its state after the journey has been completed and they've brought that final stage. It's like the return of the elixir. Okay. In the twelve stages of the hero's journey, um, I've actually had in my current campaign, uh, players select one of these. As part of their character build, Lanzevere chose the wheel. So the yeah, the wheel of fortune, and that. he's done a really good job of making that a central theme to his character. Yeah, um, and it is uh, you know, some players are are playing up to theirs better than others, but it also lets me know when their major chapter events are going to happen. How's that? Uh, so I am literally going in order. Not to give away too much about my current campaign to you, sure. <laughs> to anyone else is listening, but there is a chapter zero called "The Fool," and oh. it's just in my notes. You guys don't know about it, and it's how and it's when I bring my party together. Gotcha. Then I the first chapter is you meet a guy or a gal, you know, some kind of person that is going to give you the tools you need to complete or to start your journey. Who's going to give you the magic bag that's going to hold all the trinkets that you are going okay. to need? And so, and, and again, this is not necessarily a guy that casts spells. None of these are necessarily literally what it says. It's all symbolic. Mm. Um, and there are examples throughout all forms of mythology and even historical figures that can fit these archetypes. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, then you went to a chapter that I called the High Priestess. You just finished a chapter, which I called the Empress. Hmm. That's. 
So that's oh. going to raise some questions that you can mull God over. <laughs> well, and then that means that the next one is going to be the emperor. It, it's going to be which... called emperor, right? And and that's not even going to necessarily just touch on one character. It's going to touch on like theme throughout. Well, and given the right. uh, in in the in the last in the session we had last night, our uh, our characters all. Uh, took a turn with a uh with a uh oh my goodness a, a soothsayer who was able to tell their fortunes and uh yeah the the fortunes which were told were categorically bad 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 <laughs> ominous bad i not for everybody. I, well, <laughs> I don't know that any of them were like, hey, you got some good stuff coming up. Like, at best, it yeah. was like. No, I, it's not a fortune cookie. I right? wish it's it like, was. It, man, I. I you know, there are big challenges ooh. ahead, right? Like, like you. OK, you are sitting down for a sneak peek into your future. Difficulty is in your future. Ooh. Right. <laughs> Like sometimes the fool would prefer not to know his fate. Yeah, yeah. Some sometimes maybe the fool was a fool to inquire as to (laughs) one's fate. Should have better known better. Dang it. (laughs) So these archetypes make sense to me because I've studied them. They might not make sense to you. So I I wouldn't recommend that everyone like, okay, immediately buy this because this is going to make you a better storyteller, but you could use any other method of essentially categorizing characters. Mm. And I wouldn't give in, you know, these things like more than six, seven, eight bullet mm. points, right? I have seven and some of them are very setting and campaign specific. Right. Um, some of them are kind of minor and don't matter like sexuality. It's like, if it comes up, it's there, but I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily going to shape. Yeah, you're not putting that talk. on every time you use that NPC. Right. If I if I write gay for a character and then they're always flamboyant, that's just offensive and right. stupid. Right. <laughs> like that's not not that's not how we're going to play this. But it is a, a point. If like a character tries to flirt with them, it may have different sure. results. Right. Or if you know, I don't know what else they do, but it could come up. Um, but things like the, the, um, the love languages, especially I enjoy using cause they're very easy to, to use and implement. Um, I, I, it's nice to have the personality on hand. So I know I'm not like being at that inconsistent every time we see hmm. this character. And it can be really hard when you have a lot of NPCs to like, remember everything about them to get their voice right every yeah. time. Um, so I, ultimately, my inspiration point is just, you know, come up with a system that works for you where you have just a few bullet points. I highly recommend the portrait and just have them right there so that at a glance, you know what's going on with this character and what their personality have is. You, have you done this sort of thing ever for in-person games or um, only digital? I'm trying to think of the last time I it ran an in-person a freaking game. while, huh? <laughs> you know, I, I guess I had that starter group from a, a little bit ago, but... Um, I mean, you were running at your school no, for a while for some of the kids. I, yeah, 
Yeah, but back then I didn't do any mm. of this. No, so I, I I didn't think to even really do it. You know, I just had notebooks. Actually, I still had um computer files with like basically long paragraphs, yeah. and I found that that was difficult to wield. Like I couldn't remember everything. Yeah. What am I going to do? Like, oh, I go talk to this NPC. Hold on. Give me five minutes to read this yeah. paragraph and remember everything it says. You know, it's very unwieldy. Yeah. Right. Not to mention if you're playing a physical game with paper and you're carrying oh, notes. God. Around, yeah. Like, honestly, the less that you have to carry as a DM, the yeah. better. You know, the less that you have to shuffle through your paper. I would recommend a very organized and well-tabbed a binder probably so that you can quickly as quickly as possible get to information and get what's important yeah i mean like stick your you could with how limited these npc points are you could stick that on a on a three by five index card exactly and put those things in your pocket yeah you want these things i'm i'm experiencing this frustration as i'm going through a pre-generated module mm-hmm. And every character has a gigantic paragraph mm. attached to them and or like a couple of paragraphs. And like, I get it. Like, it's trying to give you like full information. Right. But it's uh, it's a lot I'm trying to read through everything before I start session one. And it is a yeah. bear. You know, it is so much information. This is why I like making my own campaigns. But anyway, yeah. um, it's, you know, again, you want that three by five card ready to go quick reference and then be fine with improving the gaps, right? Like just being open to that and being able to, to be flexible. Honestly, if you can't remember what your NPC exactly said or did, then chances are your players might not. And if they bring up an inconsistency, just think, Oh, thanks for reminding me. You know, just, I just Just, say, thank you. You know, like just own it. Like I didn't, Dude, I I'm thinking of five more characters you haven't met yet. Right. You know, so you know, thanks for reminding me that this person said that they really like cheese. You're right. That I remember that now. Thank you. I uh, will make a note. Yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> and it, and in Jenny's case, she has a couple more paragraphs because she's had a lot of interactions with you. But even those are kind of short. Right. And they're they're things that just trigger my own memories as opposed to being Attempting to be comprehensive because again that can lead to that burnout that we've talked yep. about, right? In world yeah. building, it it can, and and this sort of thing, like you know, with the module you mentioned, this is the kind of thing that would it would burn me out because I would write all that stuff about about everything, and then yeah, you know. Because you feel like you're obligated. Yeah, and right? then you get into it, and not only have you written all this stuff that probably won't get used, but all the stuff that you went to the effort of writing and creating is difficult for you to use. Like like you said, looking at these paragraphs that you wrote, you can't use that on the fly. It's freaking impossible. Yeah, that would be really difficult yeah. to use. So. But, you know, you hopefully you can remember some things from your own games and you, you just need a couple of things to trigger memory, yep. I think. So if Ar- if the Arcana archetypes work for you, great. If some other f- 
form works. Uh, another personality uh, test that I'm familiar with is just using colors. Mm. Um, it's something my workplace uses. They put us into color categories, and sometimes we have to have meetings within our color <laughs> category because team building sure. stuff. I don't know. Uh, and that breaks things into, I think there's four categories. There's um, gold and there's uh, orange there's green and blue. Hmm. And, and I don't even remember what the like official name of this test is. I think it's called true colors. Of course. And I'm a green for what it matters. You, you seem like um, a green, you know, <laughs> thanks, if, uh, if I had to guess from the whole spectrum, if, if you had green. to guess, so I'm very close to orange. I have a lot of orange tendencies. Um, but anyway, that Irish in you, there's man. Um, green and orange, baby. That's the Irish orange and green. Yeah. Uh, I am, I was a gold teenager and now I, there's almost nothing gold about me. So <laughs> I got rid of that stuff. Um, and that might be even easier to remember, although that's also more limiting, okay. right? Cause now you, you don't have as many distinct personas, but maybe with a combination of every other bullet point you have, they can be more right. distinct. And of course, you know, if you're using like a little index card or something like that, um, Anytime like a major, major thing that's very influential for that NPC happens, you could put like a little bullet point or something down there and write like like five words like such and such PC bought this NPC a car or, you know, did something really big, really important. So it's like, OK, make sure I don't forget that. But. You know, you could also use something that is built into these mo these games themselves. Like for Five E, you could have like your bonds, yeah, ideals, and flaws. That's right? very like, true. That could be really useful. Um, for World of Darkness, it could be your virtue yep. advice, right? That could be very useful. Um, you could even apply that to D and D for that matter. You know, this person's virtue is this, and their vice is this. You might even break down the personalities to even more simple terms and say mean, yeah. nice dopey you just name them Seven after the dwarfs. dwarfs you know like you know this guy's grumpy okay maybe that's this all guy's you need. sneezy <laughs> very specific <laughs> yeah maybe you have a guy who just belches all the time like i don't know like <laughs> why not the important thing is that you can see it at yep. a glance that's really the takeaway yeah. that was a that was a really that was a really good point um it was managing npcs and you know expanded managing just in general your world information whether you're using a module or your own homebrew stuff like keeping stuff so that it's usable is it's hard and it's yeah. like there's a real real art form to it um where like, you know, yeah, you probably have this, you know, internal desire to, you know, write a 15 novel series about this world you're creating, but you have to be practical about it and go, okay, if I write this, if I pull this out at the table to help me, will it help me or will it be a pain? <laughs> and it, yeah also you know there are times where we want to do that deep dive detail yeah. work you know 
allow that to be used in places that are very important to you yeah. in a in almost a whim like i want to write a big long note as a clue to hand to a player and it's going to have heavy detail because i feel like doing that yeah. right now you know bless you man and, do it and and you if know, something but if you feel like you seen, have to do that for everything yeah. that's gonna suck you know that's that's the other thing it's something that will get used don't dump your time into things that that aren't going to get screen time unless you're okay with sacrificing that energy because that is exactly what you're doing you're sacrificing time you're sacrificing energy which are both limited limited things those are limited resources yeah, scarce resources absolutely and yeah. you know if you yeah, you, if you put those into things that are not going to see the table you did them just for you and and if that's yeah. what you're or maybe you didn't or you you did it to your own sense of personal obligation sure. which which now has taken all the fun out of your work and what good did that do now it's one thing when you have to literally write a supplement for a company and that's how you right. make your money then yeah you need to deal with your crap and and suck right. it up buttercup but like dude you're just running a game for your friends like yep. you know definitely <laughs> don't forget that it's important that you have yeah. fun too if you're not having fun you know not to not to <laughs> tell anyone what they're doing is wrong but you're doing it wrong if you're if you're <laughs> not having fun you either need to make a change so that you start having fun or you need to tell your players, Hey, I need to, I need to take a break or I need to stop running. And, and that is a hard thing to do. And I've had to do, I've, I've done it several times and none of those times felt good. You know, it's, it's yeah. really easy to feel like you're letting people down and, you know, it's, it sucks. It sucks a lot. But what sucks more is being in a game as a player even, but also being GM and knowing before you start the game, like prior to the session, going into it, going, all I feel is exhausted and <laughs> just unenthusiastic or maybe apathetic. And just going, I I don't really care what happens here. I maybe don't care about the characters at least as much as I feel like I should. And mm -hmm. and going into it just with your head or your heart not in the right space. And if if those aren't there, the session is not going to be good or nearly as good as it could otherwise be. And you and your friends yeah. could all be doing a lot better stuff with your time you know and um yeah well i think yeah. we got it you know um so yeah man manage, manage your, time. your time um and hopefully this is a, a, a just a quick tip to <laughs> quick tip it took an hour sure but <laughs> here's a tip <laughs> that uh, maybe help yeah. with that well cool okay well let's let's wrap let's this wrap up, it huh? up thank you guys for uh tuning in this was a, a lot of fun i uh i'm i've been really enjoying this uh 
this podcast and doing the recording and stuff. I'm I'm feeling energized every single time we've sat down. I feel like there's been good conversation to be had, and that's been super encouraging. Awesome. Awesome. I've been enjoying it, too, man. Like it's uh, it's it. You know, I don't not that I do that much prep because I feel like we do all of our time prepping for D&D sure. like. It's so it's just so easy to talk yeah, about. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. Um, let me see here. Okay, so I wanted to uh, just hit you guys with uh, with the links and stuff. You can find us on Facebook um, by just searching for uh, Inspiration Point Podcast. The link would be fb.me slash inspiration point podcast and uh, you can also find us on twitter um and the uh the at is ip rpg cast um and the website is inspiration point dot buzzsprout dot com and uh lastly if you guys are listening to this um, on any of your podcast platforms that allow reviews, please give us a five-star review. Tell us what you like. Give us any feedback, and uh, we'll be happy to read it and hear what you guys have to say and factor it into the show if we can. Yeah, ask us questions, too. You know, maybe it would be fun to do mailbag sometime. You know, we'll Oh, that's that, that's that the dream, on. man. If we are ever getting mail to do this, like, man. That's that's like hitting the big time. That's like having Family Guy make fun of you. Like, you know you made it. You know you made it. <laughs> you made it, yeah. No, that would be really yeah. fun to do. Um, Yeah, and, you know, we'd also really love to hear any inspirations you may have. You know, what was the big epiphany from the last campaign that you had, you know, that, that really struck you? That eureka moment, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, those are memorable moments. Ooh, ooh, so good. So good. All right, guys. Well... We are going to sign off, and uh, until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye.